0: Laudator Jesus Christus, praise be Jesus Christ. What is the Catholic Church's official teaching about homosexuality and how to work with people who suffer from same-sex inclination? I'm going to talk about four things. What we believe, what we do not believe, what scripture teaches, and why. My sources for this are going to be, I'm just going to go from scripture, catechism, and the USCCB. And I'm doing that because those are the official, perennial, unchanging truths they go far beyond anything that you'll ever hear as an opinion coming from individual clerics or Catholic persons or the media. So first off, I want to start with a beautiful quote by the USCCB. It says, The church seeks to enable every person to live out the universal call to holiness. Persons with a homosexual inclination ought to receive every aid and encouragement to embrace this call personally and fully. This will unavoidably involve much struggle and self-mastery, for following Jesus always means following the way of the cross. The sacraments of the Eucharist and of penance are essential sources of consolation and aid on this path. So first thing, are homosexuals welcome in our parishes? Absolutely. The Catechism the Catholic Church states that persons with homosexual tendencies are must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Every sign of unjust discrimination in this regard should be avoided. Number 2358. And can they receive the sacraments when they come? Absolutely. If they're remaining celibate and not acting according to the inclination. And when they fall, going to confession, just like the rest of us. Number two, authentic heterosexual friendships. This is why it's so important that homosexual persons feel welcomed into our parish because we're supposed to offer them a place where they can have healthy male and female relationships within a parish community that supports and encourages them. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops affirmed that the church's community is a place where the persons with a homosexual inclination should experience authentic friendship This community can be a rich source of human relationships and friendships, so vital to a living, a healthy life. In fact, within the church's human friendship is raised a new order of love, that of brothers and sisters in Christ. So what does that mean? It means that our deepest bond is not come from our sexual orientation and how we express that in the world. It's that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That's our identity when we go to a parish, and that's why we're all united in one there. The next thing that the church teaches, last thing, we're all called to holiness. We teach that by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, persons with homosexual inclinations can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian perfection. Catechism 2359. What's that mean? They're called to be saints. We become saints through taking up our cross and being conformed into Christ, So what do we not believe as Catholics? The Catholic Church cannot discriminate against, well, sorry, does the Catholic Church discriminate against homosexuals? That's one thing that is constantly brought up. Absolutely not. We have an unbiased opposition to all sin. So we're against all sexual activity, not inclinations, all sexual acts separated from God's intentionality and our natural good so we're that we have the same no that we have to same-sex actions that we do against adultery fornication having sexual relationships outside of marriage pornography and masturbation divorce and remarriage outside the church contraceptives artificial birth control and celibacy for catholic priests so why do we focus on this right now so much? Well, in the same way that a doctor will focus on the place on a human body that is wounded, that's where the attention goes because that's where the care needs. Our society is very wounded, especially in our understanding of, of sex, ever since the sexual revolution for the past 50 years, but it's especially focused on homosexuality in these times. That's why we need so much more clarity right now. So we understand what is the proper way forward in the midst of it. So the basic understanding here is that only sexual activity that is open to life and in the context of a state of marriage that is blessed in the church is acceptable. Everything outside of that, the church says no to. The inclination is not sinful in itself. Right. So only the action. We do not believe in praying the inclination away. It's a cross many carry for their entire lives. And that's why we need to accompany them. That's why they need to feel at home with us. Does God work miracles? Yes. Do some people get complete restorated healing from it? Yes. We all have, we can all experience that sort of healing. Um, but that's not the goal. It's never the goal as the Catholic Church to do that or to promote that. Next thing. Pope Francis, is he changing the teaching on this? Absolutely not. Amore Laetitia itself, one of his documents, he says in 251, there are absolutely no grounds for considering homosexual unions to be in any way similar or even remotely analogous to God's plan for marriage and family. That was an official document of the church. Um, And let's just say this, because we're in the midst of a lot of confusion right now. doesn't matter if what would be said outside of that context no priest no bishop no cardinal and no pope has power to change our teaching on this that's the most important thing so what we believe doesn't rest on a pope's word just as it doesn't rest on a priest's word because we're not protestants we don't follow people we follow christ teachings in scripture and what has always been passed down to the history of the church okay so let's go to scripture there's basically 10 instances in scripture that address um, homosexuality. You know, The first one is Sodom and Gomorrah. Then it, for, it forbids it in Leviticus 18 and 20. Judges 19 is a similar story to Sodom and Gomorrah men who try to sodomize another man. Um, first and second Kings talks about male cult prostitutes. One of the most explicit references is in, in the New Testament. Comes from Romans 1.18. Saint Paul explains in detail how disobedience to God by creatures leads him to allowing our lower faculties to revolt against our higher faculties, and that takes place in all areas of sexuality. But he explicitly talks about uh, same sex attraction. First Corinthians six nine. Anyone who commits Acts of sexual immorality cannot inherit the kingdom of God, uh, including that homosexual acts. 1 Timothy one eight Again, all those who practice sexual immorality. It's not just exclusion of one, but including homosexuality will not inherit the kingdom. And then Jude 7. I'll just read this straight because it's pretty powerful. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. So what happened in the past serves as a warning for us in the end times, eschatology, um, the eternal fires of God's judgment. And so why do we teach what we teach? This is the last point. Well, why can't we support it, these, these actions? The church exists for the salvation of souls. So whatever does not lead to the salvation of souls, we absolutely oppose. To love someone is to want what is absolutely best for them. And we want every single person to go to heaven. And that's why we can never support an action that is contrary to God's word and scripture and the traditions passed down to us and how we are to live that out. It's all about the salvation of souls. And so our pastoral practice, you know, we hear the word accompaniment a lot these days. It's a big word. Um, what it means is that we go out in order to bring them back. We're seeking the lost sheep, not so that we can stay out of the pasture with them or be lost with them, but in order to bring them back into the fold. Jesus is the one who always went out, searching, most specifically in the incarnation. God came into our fallen world, but he didn't just stay here. He preached the good news. He took on our sins, suffered and died on the cross, and he rose and ascended into heaven. And his final words every time he would encounter uh, sinners was, go and sin no more. So we cannot just huddle to ourselves and judge others on the outside and, and rest in our own you know, understanding of our salvation. But we must always imitate Christ who goes out, accompanies, takes the hand of, but brings back the sinner into the fold. Why? Because we're all about the salvation of souls. What are we living for? That's the final question. Is it this world or is it for the next? Jesus says, if you want to become my followers, let them, anyone who wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life in this world will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it in the next. For what will it profit them? If they gain the whole world, but forfeit their life, what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay everyone for what they have done. So we lose our life now in order to take it up again. We take up our cross in order to be transformed, not deformed, but transformed into Christ in this life and in eternity. And we die now to our selfish, sinful inclinations, that we might rise and live with all eternity with God through Jesus Christ. Because in the end, what else is worth living for if not heaven?